Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George Railroad Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series, you're listening to Podcast Little Fell. The Small Council Initial Reaction Edition. Welcome back to Podcast Little Fell, Small Council Edition. I am the Hand of the King, W. Axel Foley, and with me this evening is the Master of Coin, DJ Tim Hines, the Master of Whisperers, Donald Jr., and our guest, the ambassador from the Summer Isles, Kelly, is here as well. You may have heard her before on the fan call-in show that used to be hosted by Matt, but he quit. So now she came over to us. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening and downloading. You can find us on Twitter at PodcastL. You can also email us, podcastlittlefell at gmail.com. Oh my God! That's can we? Ju- I was thinking like if we just do the podcast and we all just talk about the last scene and how awesome it was, yeah, and then we just end the podcast. That would probably do it. <laughs> just drop, drop the mic. That's Be- it. That wow. was sincerely, if not the one of the best scenes in television that I've ever seen. I mean, my heart was pounding. I was. It was almost making me feel sick. You know, it was so exciting. Donald, what did you think about that last scene? Uh, I hate to be negative, but <laughs> oh no, <laughs> awesome! Yeah, that that would be a first for me. But um, I I felt that it didn't really tell us anything. It was just kind of action for action's sake. Uh, so that's that's my one criticism of it. But other than that, I mean, it was awesome to watch. I felt like. I felt like we needed a, a sort of an injection of something like that happening. So it, it was kind of welcome, but at the same time, I'm not sure what I learned from it or what was the point of it. But, hey, it was still cool. So, Kelly, what do you think? I think it was a great way to show us what is going to happen at the wall. Otherwise, we had no idea how big the army was. We didn't know how many wildlings were left. We had no concept of, like, when Stannis broke Mance's army, it, they all scattered, or we don't know what happened. You know, they captured a bunch, and so we didn't know how many were left. And when you see this whole village, and you think village is, like, you know, small, like you see, like, the castle at, Win- at Winterfell, like, the people milling about in the middle. You don't think of, like, you know, a huge freaking town. And you saw all of those people fighting and dying, and then you saw them all rise up. I think that implies so much that's going to happen at the wall when John gets back, you know, like there's just going to be, you know, they've seen it. They've seen this army now, you know, but the guys at the wall still haven't seen it. So there's kind of going to be that conflict there where they're going to try to tell everyone about this problem that's coming in. If he hadn't taken those 5,000 guys, they would have been in the army and that's what he's trying to avoid and how bad it was. It could have been 5,000 worse. 
you know? So I think that's kind of the implication of what we learned from this, uh, that last epic scene. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. If you check our Twitter feed podcast, L, you'll see I took pictures and put them, because I love the way, I mean, the way this was directed, I really, this was like one of the best action scenes I've ever seen. And I think hands down, it beat any of the battle scenes in Lord of the Rings all 15 of the Lord of the Rings movies out of, I don't even know how many there were. What were there? Six or seven? The six, right? Any of those. (laughs) The CGI was better. The, the, the way it was cut was better. The, the pace, it was just absolutely amazing. And what I did is I took a picture of the shots were a mirror in and out. So you see like John, the boat, and then the wider shot. And if you look, and I took pictures of both of those at the beginning and at the end, and you see how many, how big it is, but then how many more people are there at the end because the army is there too. And just the ramifications of an army that once it kill, it automatically turns instantly yeah, yeah, to their side. So it's like they, they just have to keep on winning. Right. They just keep on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just it's like a horde, like an organism. And when they started throwing themselves off the cliff and then came back, that was amazing, man. That was unstoppable. Yeah, that blew it it absolutely blew me away. And just to say, I think we did learn a couple other things. We learned about John's sword. Right. And isn't that the sword made of Valerian steel? Yes, it is. So we learned that the power that he has, we learned that that Walker King, I guess he's called the Night King, was looking at John, was like picking him out. And I think we also learned that they attacked at that time on purpose, that it wasn't a coincidence that they're going out to the boats and then they just attack. I think they were waiting and watching the entire time. It was a strategic maneuver on their part to try to get as many of them on into the undead as possible before they left. So I think we learned that this evil has a mind and that's what I always wanted to see that there is a, some sort of leadership dichotomy that is strategically trying to take over it's not just this it's not like uh, like I said to my wife tonight it's not like some dumb James Bond you know oh that's the bad guy or like the walking dead they're just hordes of mindless zombies there's like a purpose here and they're going to be strategic about the way that they battle and fight and it's just that was that scene just blew me away I thought did anyone think I thought that Jon Snow was going to die I was like whoa I can't believe it Jon Snow's going to die I actually thought he was going to die and I never thought he was going to die before what do you think Tim I, I'm, I, I, you know, I wasn't sure. I really didn't think they would kill him off, but like the suspense was there and it left a question and it made it that much more enjoyable knowing that, you know, John was being the better man, let them go and we'll stay and catch the next boat. No, you know, all that stuff and all that kind of stuff usually in this show doesn't work out well for people. And the, just the way they were doing it, it, this scene was incredible. Um, I, I, you know, I, I loved it just from the, the beginning of the of the stuff like we got so much and then you know bam it just jumped out of you that whole battle scene but like in the wildling camp i love that like with the lord of bones uh, uh 
when he just got <laughs> his skull crushed by Tormund. That yeah. that you know, he just Tormund was like, "Listen, we need to get this done." And you know, if if anything, what if if they are the wildlings are in different encampments, that's just something now that they all have as you know a story that people will, will back saying, listen, this is what happened. And they turned all these people. We got to get out of here, you know, and hopefully they can get some more troops. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was just awesome. The one little, uh, lemon cake, Sansa's lemon cake. I had to throw at it is that they're sending all these boats out and they're like, go, go, go. Then all of a sudden when John's ready and Tormund's ready, there's like, Hey, look, there's this one last boat that nobody's decided to jump on. Everybody's jumping in the water, swimming for their lives. And then this guy is just sitting here waiting for like the next crew. And it just was kind of a little like a little bit hokey that that was there. But did you notice that the rower of the boat was cowled like he had a hood on and you yeah. couldn't see who it was? Yeah, I thought I'm he was thinking gonna, gonna that kill might be someone. No, I think that might be someone. I don't know for sure. But like. That thought, might be someone yeah, coming up. I agree with you because I think that that was so purposefully done. And I, I definitely two shots, but maybe three where they held on that. And I noticed that right away. I was going to, before you mentioned it, I was going to say, did anyone else think the person rowing the boat is, is going to turn out to be someone interesting or special? And I think so. Yeah, if you go back and when you do the rewatch, check it out to see. I think that person was not just in the boat. I think there was another shot of them on um, before that, uh, walking around maybe. But I'm because I was like suspiciously hooded person, so I thought that that might have been, uh, you know, I ignored it the first time. But then they were back in the boat, so maybe that was in there a couple times too. And he was just sitting there looking forward in the boat, like nothing's going on behind him. Like, hey, I'm waiting, just waiting for the next ra ride. Who's coming? No, totally. If it doesn't turn out to be anything, it was kind of cheesy. Yeah. Hey, Donald. Yes. Now that you've heard us talk a little bit, do you think there was more stuff in there for you? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm glad you said the part about uh, Longclaw and the Valyrian steel, because it's sort of um, elusive that in the book that Dragonglass isn't the only thing that can take them out. So I'm glad that they established that. Yeah, that's not in the book. I'm sorry? That's, yeah, that's not in the book. They don't have any proof that Dragonglass is anything yeah, it's similar. Yeah, it's, it's sort of alluded Valerian to. It. It's scale. not just yeah, it's not just outright in there. But um, I'll, yeah. I'll send you the link if you guys want to read it. But um, what was I saying? Uh, in a way, that was sort of a red herring too. Um, a lot of people were saying, "Well, they showed us the Dragonglass. Shows the Dragonglass. So now someone has to use it." And I like the fake out that they didn't use it. So I thought that that was that was pretty cool. Uh, Axel, I was I had a follow up question for what you said because I, I did feel like it was sort of the same same sort of play as as Dorn where they all just coincidentally wound up there because I don't see how the White Walkers would unless they literally were just standing over the cliff just waiting yeah. to see what ha what happened. That's what I think. I, okay. I I I definitely and I have to credit my wife for that because she said to me she's like they attacked them at the right time right and I was like because. That's something we were talking about is the idea that there is a strategy. And I definitely think that's what was happening. I don't think it was some kind of, um, and I think that's why also they're positioned up there watching, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, I mean, I just think like that. And that's a whole, uh, I've been listening lately to a Hardcore History, the Dan Carlin podcast, the whole series he did about World War One, And just when you think about the, the um, number of, 
this way, the undead, but people that you have to move. Like, I think that's a planned thing. Like, they were waiting outside there. And then when John arrived, you know, that's when they yeah. and saw them leaving. He was like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. And then they attacked. Well, they did come. They came on two fronts also. Yeah. Eventually. Do you think that has maybe an indication showing more in terms of John's um, strategy and how if he had waited another day, how disastrous it would have been? Like maybe the show was just trying to indicate that John was right to be in such a hurry. Like that he knew that they were going there. That's the last giant city north of the wall. That's where they're going to go. So they've got to beat him there. And they take these ships. They get there just in the nick of time, maybe. I could see that. I could. I could see that. But I still. I still think that they were, the White Walkers were just watching them and just waiting for the time to do it. And I think that they just had to do it then because they were leaving. So and it's like you know we need to make more White Walkers. So, and they were they were putting women and children first on the boat, right? And. What now? Now what are they left with? All women and children to fight? Like all the all the the warriors are left. Well, there a lot of those dead. women were warriors. We saw I, that in the no right, you know? but but other than them, like who what the other tribes? Like you know what I'm saying? They it seems like like they're like all right, you know the the mother stressed that you know you guys go first, and you know everybody else was was you know pushing the the other people first. The you know the less fortunate, the old people. <laughs> and meanwhile, actually, really quick though, she did say she was going to go back for the old people. So I don't think the old people were on there yet. All right. Yeah. We don't want and old also, fighters. it became a free for all. Yeah, I think it's probably just a mix match hodgepodge of the people that got on there. Um, yeah. Probably kids first, if the people in the village wanted to get their kids out of there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess that when we see the the group that shows up, it's going to be not as many fighters because yeah, they all stayed and fought. And uh, yeah. And seeing those the the whites, the little kids that that came over yeah. and like all ganged up on that lady, that was sick. Oh, was oh I really was good. upset that she died too because I thought she was going to become like a new character. You know, I really liked her. Sorry. Yeah. 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 What are you was... gonna do? My biggest question is this though: How the fuck is that giant gonna get on a boat? <laughs> like, isn't the giant gonna like <laughs> sink the boat? Is the giant just gonna swim? Like They're on the side ships. of it? <laughs> big ships. You can put elephants on ships. You can put a giant on a ship. He's not going to like it. Okay, I guess you're right. He's going he's gonna to take a lot of space. They're going to be like, yo, these giant's feet are stinky, man. Get this thing out of the cabin. I'm that sure was, they, that giant, I'm so glad to see that giant. <laughs> yeah, that was good. All that all that in there was like, you know, payoff for the, the seven and a half episodes that we've been watching a lot of information dump. So, like, this was, was much needed. Now, do you think, what's the deal with them not going in the water? I Yeah, we were wondering about that because um, they, it doesn't seem like it's a, a force that they wouldn't be able to overcome, like yeah. water and undead. So, I think they just got what they wanted and, and that was all that they, they weren't going to fight further. They were going to just, they took what they needed with the undead and now they're going to go maybe hit the um, East Watch by the sea or something. But that, that's been one of my questions that I've been saying to Matt since, like, season one, that how if, if they are able to swim or, why, or even build boats or some kind of stuff, why couldn't they just go around the wall? What was the need? 
And we never really, like, you know, we always just talked about it, never really could figure out an answer. We just, you know, dished that question around. But if they could go in the water, they would have already, I'm thinking. I think maybe the whites can go, but the white walkers cannot. Hmm. I don't know. That would be a, that, I think that's like going to be a literary device that they can use to explain it. That's the best I can come up with. I, I agree. I kind of was thinking, like Kelly, like what you were saying is that like some, I was thinking more like it's it was similar to when they let Sam live. True, yeah, that's similar. You know, when yeah. he was cowering and saw the whole arm, it's like they always let the let the people go to go back to tell the other people and to make their legend grow. And I think that that was, uh, I, I guess that's what I thought, but I do think it is a little bit kind of cheesy if, like, they can't go in water, you know? Then what are the, what are we gonna find? Like they're just gonna be like, make a water moat around Winterfell or something yeah, like that. Just know, melt like, the wall. <laughs> yeah, it and could the, be, right, like water, it, ice, like they're kind of that's their thing. Yeah, you know what well, I mean. Well, ice is not water, okay. and maybe they don't have the ability to freeze salt water. Maybe they can't make it. And you know, I want to find out why, and there's got to be a reason why. And George is so smart; you got to know that he has a reason why in his head why they can't, and. We have to figure out what it is. Yeah, I, I would think that this show would at some point make reference to it. So it's not just like a logical step like John Snow's like, oh, of course, they can't go in the water. You know, it's like, how the hell would you know that, dude? Well, he did. He, he I mean, the, I like the, the parts they were focusing on him. He was like observing and, and taking note of what they do and their actions. So I think that's going to come into into play later on because he's going to know strategy. I like that part. Yeah. And the Night's King was studying him just as much, too. He saw exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, it was back yeah. and forth. Yeah, that was just absolutely an amazing scene. I think that uh, I know there's I know uh, DJ Tim Hines is uh, responsible for already making a few memes and there's so many like now everyone's going to come yes. back and watch the show that was pissed off. But, you know, it just goes to show. And I think, you know, as we anything happens, if you care so much about something, you know, you're you're into it. But um, let's jump over uh, and talk about um, Tyrion. Real uh, quick, before you leave the wall, I mean, the, can we can we hit on Sam and Gilly real quick? Oh, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah. Well, it's still cold before we get warm. Um <laughs> Did anybody catch a, a weird vibe from Ollie that like maybe something was poison in that food he was bringing Sam? <laughs> I, definitely a weird vibe. He didn't he didn't seem to be buying the answers he was getting. But I don't know if he would I think he wouldn't have asked the questions after he gave him poison food. <laughs> yeah, but he he gave them the food. You know, he was talking to him and like he was he was eating it and he looked at him real funny. Like after he got all those questions, the questions answered that he wasn't really too thrilled with the answers. Yeah, the food could have been a pretense to start a conversation because he knew Sam was the closest to John and that he would have, you know, if he's going to know like John's heart, you know, he's got to know. He seems kind of bitter, too. He was he was, you know, breaking down the list of all the bad things that Tormund did and all the other wildlings. I don't know. This kid's uh, it's questionable. Yeah, I did not get the feeling at all that he was poisoning them. I just think he's upset, and I think he spoke his mind, and I like that scene. Um, you know, he has been uh, skulking around. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with him if if he's going to try to, you know, 
get Tormin or something when they come back, but I mean, it was, they're definitely paying a lot of attention to him and he keeps on, you know, kind of appearing there looking pissed off. But I think that Sam gave him a very good explanation and maybe what we'll see is that he accepts it. Or Sam dies next episode. No, yep. that could happen. It could too. be. Or Gilly. <laughs> or he's, yeah, poisoned and then someone shows him, you know, their front parts and gives him an antidote. We've seen that happen. Yeah. <laughs> like a minute later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's talk about um, Tyrion and Danny. Donald, what did you think of this whole thing going down here? We had talked a little bit about, um, well, not you and I, but we had last week about how Tyrion was going to get in her good graces and he did it actually rather simply I kind of I bought it I liked it the way he just was straightforward with her and he was like look you need my advice and really I have to decide to decide do I want to give it to you and he kind of laid out his resume as the hand of the king were you buying into those scenes I, I definitely bought into it I could see how some people would think that that was rushed but I think coming from a book perspective I'm just glad that that everything in Marine is more compact because in the books it's just really frustrating and it's going nowhere. So I, I was more willing to buy into it. Plus, they built up Tyrion so well as a, a smooth talker. And I like how he just came up and, like you said, just approached her reasonably. He didn't try too hard. He didn't really try to sell himself. He just was honest with her. And I think she's sort of back against the wall at this point. She's a little bit desperate. So I think the, they just met at the right time. Now, what that means, like if, if, if he's actually going to be able to help her just by t- talking in her ear, that has yet to be seen. But I think she, at this point she's sort of welcoming anyone that can give her some kind of advice because I think you said this last week, Axel, that almost everybody's been telling her different things. You know, and she has like five, five or six different people in her ear all telling her different things. Most of the time she ignores them anyway. And she hasn't really gotten anywhere yet. So it, it's sort of, at this point, you know, this guy looks like he knows what he's talking about. He seems to be a smart person. Let me sit down and have a drink with him, engage him. And I think that for once, we actually saw Danny gauge someone correctly and, and make the right choice. Because I think Tyrion is very, very smart. One thing I was upset about was that Tyrion didn't try to go and see the dragons or anything like that. He didn't have any questions about them. So maybe they're saving that for or next week or something, but I would think that that would be one of the first things he would want to do. Yeah, I was thinking that similarly, that the dragons weren't really mentioned. Well, he mentioned that she had three dragons, but I guess that's something that they can save for further a further episode when he also... I was surprised if he didn't say, I saw one of your dragons, you know? So yeah. he's... But yeah, I just love the way that he just broke her down and was like, look, how are you going to go over there? You have the, you know, you had the common people here. How did that work for you? Then you're going to, you think you're going to go over there? And then he's like, look, there's no more Targaryens. And then he just kind of, you know, breaks that down. And she, I didn't really, you know, I didn't buy, I thought that was the weakest of her dun dun like kind of speeches when she was like, I will break the wheel again, like repeating herself. And I think if they had cut back to Tyrion, I don't remember if they did, he would have just been like still spinning his wine and just taking a sip and <laughs> like say like, we shall see, you know. Because like, it's such a, a naive statement to make. It's, it's, it's definitely someone that's not seasoned and not as, as, as ready or has, has been through as much as, as Tyrion or, or anybody else. It's, it's sort of the, 
I'm going to be a leader. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the world. And, you know, 15 years from later, you sort of are worn down by that point. You're weathered. You, so, you don't think the same way. You start to think, how can I just make it better one step at a time? But she, I think she's just, she's still very naive. And Tyrion is the perfect person for her. Yeah. Kelly, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, I was balking at it when it sounded like he was trying to tone down her ambitions. And, like, the first words out of his mouth when, as soon as she says that I'm, you know, I'm not going to kill you, you will advise me. And the first words out of his mouth are telling her to, to, to back off, like, the one thing she's been working towards. I was a little bit like, whoa, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't let that be your first piece of advice. But then again, like you're saying, like, that is really ambitious and maybe naively so that that's what she, her goal is. And she's hasn't seen beyond these places that she's conquered. So maybe, you know, she should heed his advice, at least in terms of taking it and, you know, adding it to her consideration of the the quest she has before her to to get back to Westeros and to, and to rule it because so far the people whispering in her ear that kind of sounds like what we heard in the first season which was that guy um Illyrio telling uh Viserys that you know the, the small folks still you know love you and she bought that and thought that that would be enough but so maybe it is uh, naive of her to keep thinking that that'll be enough. And it is good that Tyrion will be there to show her that these other machinations are in place that she has to overcome and she just thinks she can break them. Then it's going to be his job to help her figure out how to do that, I guess. Um, but the one thing about, I don't know if Tyrion was in a position to ask her to see the dragons <laughs> when he, she hadn't decided yeah. <laughs> if she was going to kill him or not yet. I think I the exciting thing that, that we're all, we're all kind of hoping for is that Tyrion just so so well read, and he has access to these books that she doesn't, and we're looking for someone to just help her tame those dragons. So I was thinking Tyrion would be the guy for that. Yeah, we see all of these dots all across the world that have knowledge that some another dot in another part of the world needs, and <laughs> to have those dots finally meet is so satisfying, and we can't wait another episode to <laughs> have that information be shared. But we did get that this episode. We did get two dots sharing information today. We'll get to that probably later. Yeah, I really enjoyed, too, the way that he stood up for Varys. I thought that was pretty cool and kind of laid it out for Varys to show up and be accepted and not just immediately, you know, questioned or killed like she wanted to do with uh, uh, he and Jorah. And I thought that was good because, of course, I really want to see him again. And I thought that it was... Do you think that Tyrion was telling the truth? Does he really have that much faith in him? I thought it was surprising, too, how he just brought up, like, advising her, right? Like, he just kind of, I guess, seeing the dragon kind of solidified things in him, you know? Because he was, like, he was down. And I, I don't think he was doing it just to save his neck. It seemed to me that he was really saying, like, look, we can do something here. Yeah, this, uh, Varys told him that he could be of use to someone, and, you know, the only thing he's ever really valued in himself was his mind, uh, Tyrion, that is. And so, you know, to be able to use that for someone this powerful, you know, is probably very enticing to him. So he probably values Varys for seeing that in him and Tyrion for, or, sorry, uh, Daenerys for being able to provide him with a avenue to use it. Yeah, he didn't even complain that much when she said, like kind of took his wine away 
<laughs> and was like, while well, you're still sober or whatever, he wasn't, he didn't like grab it back. Like he was doing the varies. Like he's kind, it seems that he has made a adjustment in his character. Did, did everyone buy that? Tim, did you buy that? Or did you think he was just doing it to save this, his own neck? This was, I feel like the culmination of all the Tyrion scenes leading up to this, like this is perfect, perfect Tyrion. This was a brilliant brilliant scene i loved it so much like if this was the you know the job interview he knocked it out of the park he got the job like what uh a long time ago i had a a a co-worker you know give me some advice and it, it really went a long way and it's it, it was that with a, a stubborn boss you got to present them ideas that you make them think it's their own idea even though you thought of it you just twist it in a way that they think it's their own idea. And he did that with Daenerys. He led her this whole thing and he put the right questions in front of her. And that's what got her intrigued that he knew the right questions to ask. And then he hit the, the little, the little uh, soft spots, you know, talking about the fathers. They both got, you know, things with their fathers and they had that in common. It was just, to me, I bought the whole thing, hook, line and sinker. Um, even, you know, even with, with Jorah, like, you know, he, he knew what to say, even for Jorah, he knew that he, he shouldn't push it too far. He could still save Jorah's neck. Most likely, you know, he, he, he was reading everything out as he was doing it in that situation leading up to, you know, trying to save his own neck and get himself into that spot. Um, with, you know, or the Varys was, was awesome. I was I was kind of like hoping like she was gonna be like oh Varys he's he's downstairs you know in the in the taking a yeah. bath or something but uh, <laughs> taking you know, a bath <laughs> yeah I don't know he's doing something that, down there um, I'm sure he wouldn't be in the brothel so uh, and you know but uh, it it was very 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 great scene that to me I think that was one of the best Tyrion scenes we've got you know other than maybe Tyrion and Varys like talking on the on the top of the uh king's landing that you know a couple seasons back i loved it yeah you hate feeling smarter than the show when you're just look, yelling at it just tell her that Varys was the one who kept her alive and that he did it you know like it's yeah. it's so satisfying when the show is you know gives you those moments when they don't hold back they don't keep secrets or play games it's like they say the thing that will convince them that you know that they can say yeah it's good yeah yeah, that's a great point. And I think this episode did that in so many different ways. Like people were just laying it down. Yes. <laughs> Which is crazy if you think about it because eight is supposed to be the crazy episode. And this is like the payoff episode that from for a lot of things. And I feel like like very satisfied after watching this one. And, uh, I, you know, just seeing that, I, you know, all these things paying off and then thinking about we got episode nine coming up. That makes me very excited. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. This this not being the, the big episode of the season was very promising. <laughs> cool. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what was going on with Cersei. Um, I, you know, I had listened to I think it was a pod of Cass and um Robin was talking about how we should remember that um, Kyburn is out there. And then uh, Roberto was like, yeah, if the mountain shows up, 
And I was thinking that when he showed up, I was like, that's what's going to happen. And then I think he said it when he was leaving and he was like, still work to do, still work to do. I think that's the work because that's what he kept on talking about, his work that he was doing. I yeah, think they that, constantly refer to it as his work. How yeah. is your work going? Yeah. And I think that that's what, when he said to her, There's, there is another way. Because his face kind of lit up. Like he said it twice. And his face kind of lit up one of the times. And I said, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about. And then she said, confess or whatever. And then the, the angry nun uh, appeared. But um, yeah, I, I, really, uh, I really dug that. Even though I don't want like... Cersei is kind of despicable, but, um, I don't know. What did you guys think? Uh, Kelly, what did you think about that scene? I think they're, they're drawing it out as much as they can. Everybody wants to see Cersei getting what's coming to her, but then again, everyone loves a bad guy. So you don't necessarily want it to be over. Like you want it to, to see her suffer and then maybe see bigger drama happen because of it. So yeah, I think the work continues. Is is Kyburn referring to the, the Kyborg, Franken Mountain that he's working on? Oh, that's gonna be awesome. I hope we get to see it. Um, and then, yeah, I think just seeing her so dirty and like her teeth were yellow. Did you see that? Like she was just yeah. her. She's got that Lannister, you know pride but her own like psychotic denial that she keeps telling this septa that she's gonna be the last face she sees before she dies and what power does she think she has like how you know delusional is she that she sees herself with any power right now you know it's great <laughs> yeah donald love seeing her torn down like that that was one of the highlights of the, the episode for me um the yeah the kyburn stuff that was great. Uh, there's a moment. Well, I mean, never mind. I can't say. Never mind. So uh, forget I said that. Um, it, it's kind of <laughs> tricky. I, I think Kelly knows how I feel. Like there's certain things that we're waiting to happen. Yeah. And and like the the little joys that we get is hearing you guys kind of theorize about what you think is going to happen, and knowing whether like you're dead on or so far off. But um, I like seeing Cersei torn down like that. She she's always been very annoying to me and. There are very few good qualities that that I found in her, and seeing her it, is it kind of it's kind of dark to to be happy when someone else is miserable like that. But is that so, called Schadenfreude, something like that? Yeah, that, that <laughs> enjoying someone else's misery. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't want to admit that that's a part of myself, but yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's when, defined. <laughs> it's psychologically defined. You're all right. Everybody's got it. <laughs> uh, whenever she has to see her son. And like the lady like smacks her, like that was so gratifying to me, and I just felt I just felt so bad and happy at the same time. But um, yeah, the, I think Kelly said it that the way they they made her down, like they they had her hair dirty and she was just filthy and just trying to drink water off the floor. To me, I think that that they're almost on the cusp of of making us feel sorry for her. So I'm kind of wondering what what's going to happen with that. I know Axel had the, fo the um had the foley. Axel had the theory. Since like the first episode that she was gonna die, so I wanted to throw it out there and see how he feels. You know what's gonna happen with with Cersei. What's I still think theory? she's gonna die. Interesting. I think Cersei is gonna die before the end of this uh, season. I mean, what? There's how many are the two episodes left? Two episodes. Oh damn. Um, yeah, I think she's gonna die. They, they have certainly, like you said, they gave her the flashback, 
They built her all the way up, and now they're tearing her down. So they can go either way from me. They've changed everything so much, I, I don't even know. She might succeed in even taking out the High Sparrow or taking out Lancel or escaping or something, but I think she's going to die this season. I just think the writing's on the wall. Well, Axel, real quick, I, I think it was you that also said you, that you thought they would just do a scene where they just killed everybody. Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was wondering, what if, what if he just kind of revives the mountain and the mountain just comes through and just kills everyone? Would that be satisfying for you? Um, maybe. I mean, I thought about it across the whole show, though. Like, it would be in different places. But oh. a, bunch of char- a bunch of similar characters dying. Uh, I mean, in the same place. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just was, but maybe that was the, uh, I had uh, some precognition about this evening's episode and the great battle or something, you know, Mm -hmm. I just felt like something, I mean, you know, it's coming towards the end of the season. You start to feel like something's going to happen. And on this show, that generally means that someone's going to die. Yeah. Actually today, uh, I was supposed to tell Kelly that Matt said hi. Uh, Yeah. I did a podcast with Matt today and he actually, we talked a little bit of Game of Thrones. So uh, whenever that's up, I'll tweet the link. But uh, I think he said something sort of similar to that. And he was he was actually, I was a little bit hopeful that he might start watching the show again because he was kind of curious about certain things that was happening and asked us to you know, kind of tell him a little few things. So uh, oh, just we keep, love We love Matt. <laughs> yeah, keep bothering him on Twitter and get, try to get him to come back because he's missing a lot. Yeah. We miss him. We're missing a lot. Yeah. We need Matt back. <laughs> of course. And, it, and also, it's you see an episode like tonight where it's just kind of purely entertaining, you know, and fun. And then, it kind, you know, it kind of reminds you, hey, it's a TV show, guys. Let's like, let's have fun and enjoy the good parts of it. But, you know, something that we didn't talk about, and I was just thinking about it while I'm thinking about, like, the podcast and, like, what, what are we going to talk about next? And then I realized that scene was 30 minutes long. Which scene? The battle? Or? Yeah, I went back yeah. and looked. It's, yeah, it was half the episode. Yeah, it, start, yeah, it, it started at like 31 or 32 minutes, and I guess the show was 102, but the credits are like a minute and a half to two minutes. So it was like 28, 29 minutes long. But I liked um, some of the stuff we didn't talk about then, uh, or uh, DJ Tim Hines mentioned it, is I loved when Tormin, is that if that's how you pronounce it, Thorman or Torm, Tormin, Thorman. right? Yeah, yeah. all right. Um, when he just killed that bones dude, (laughs) that, that I said to my wife, I was like, yeah, all right. And she was like, yeah, I was like, they're going for it. This episode, that was like a little (laughs) bit of, um, uh, you know, foreshadowing there of like what was to come. Like we're not pulling any punches. Oh, and like how they were just still coming. Like I love when they had a shot of like the one of the whites with an arrow through its head, and I'm like, see, they're not zombies. <laughs> you can <laughs> shoot them in the head, and they're not going to go down. They're just going to keep coming. I thought that the fighting was a little choppy. Like it was just so much brutality going on. It wasn't super clear who was fighting, and that was probably the only thing I would complain about that scene. Um, but yeah, it was just like a very foreboding amount but, of fighting that was happening that they just weren't dying. You know what? <laughs> I found that to be. I thought that was, I saw that as a plus in the direction category, and it reminded me a little bit of Saving Private Ryan, like that opening when they take, um, what was that, like Omaha Beach, right? Normandy. Normandy. Um, But wasn't it called, didn't they call it that? I don't remember. Anyway, um, that it's so confusing, 
and that the White Walkers themselves are like just animals. Yeah, it creates a very chaotic sense, and it does make yeah. it feel feel that chaotic when you can't focus on anything. And yeah, it definitely does a good job in that way, and yeah. make it seem like they're a force more than just individuals. No. I thought it, I thought it felt more real that scene because of that. I I agree with Axel. Like you know, the chaos is part of the battle. Like there's no you know lines there. Everybody was just all over the place, all confused. People are pushing each other out of the way. You know, you saw uh, John almost took out his own guy. You know, like you see like that happens. You know, there's friendly fire sometimes. And, you know, seeing that, I thought it enhanced it. Yeah, it's just in terms of like cinematography, if they had shown like John looking around and trying to get his bearings and he couldn't, it just from a viewer point, like it was just, I was trying to see like, okay, are they showing us how that these things can be destroyed? Like, are they, but like it didn't seem to be consistent in any way like that. It, like it couldn't catch on to like what they were trying to show us. And I guess if it was just that chaotic feel, that was successful. <laughs> hey, the the thing we didn't talk about, I don't think we talked too much about um, Reek and Sansa and the plans that um, Ramsey seems to have. I didn't uh, really get it to hit on King's Landing at all. I just got a few things I wanted to. Oh, hit, go to for it, on. DJ Tim Hines. Um, I, I, I was, you know, I was just, uh, wanted to point out we got a you know a clear definition of what she was being tried for which was fornication treason and incest and then murder of king robert so that's like four major things that means that everything's out in the open like you know what i'm saying so Great point yeah there's no more of that confusion of what does people know what do they think like that's the accusation so that's a lot right there that that kind of got brushed over um also, you know, that the Picel that he went and called in Kevin and the Picel felt like he was being pushed out. But now he's kind of getting like Cersei's screwed herself and he's getting what he wants. He's calling Kevin back. Kevin could maybe, you know, hold these guys down, but still keep Cersei out of play. So I love that 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 was thrown in there. And because he definitely doesn't like Cersei, you could tell. And, and then all of that leading into you know watching Cersei suffer that you know that it was that it was awesome that that to me that that was like you know the the icing on the cake because now it layers in so many things that screwing Cersei up but then we get the opposite side that you know Amy may be having uh you know there could be something with the mountain coming down the pipe so you know the flip side I, I don't you know to answer Donald's earlier question i don't think cersei's gonna die this season um it's just where it's just a lot that she's gonna have to endure and go through this season and we're, we're, we're getting to watch and i and some of us enjoy some of us feel bad but i'm sure not too many those were great points dj tim hines thank you um I want to say that thanks for bringing that up because that was a really important point that they said incest. So that means that if she is found guilty of that, then doesn't that necessarily mean that Tommen's next because he's not the king? Like they're making a judgment in a court somehow that she, you know, did in. But is the incest with Lancel, though? Don't know. That's all they have proof for, I think. I think the only things they have proof for are the things that Lancel has confessed to, and I mean proof meaning his um, uh, accusations. Okay, so that's interesting. So then, They wouldn't have accusations that for okay. further 
in indictment. Mm, okay, that puts some holes in that. Um, what was the other thing that you said after that? About uh, Pi Selcon and Uncle Yes, Kevin. that's a great point, man. I was super excited when they when he said that. Is I I, I know may, I I noticed the book readers are quiet, but um, <laughs> I yeah, love. I won't say a word. I want to see Uncle Kevin, man, because I totally forgot about that, and that's that's cool. He I, in his brief tenure on the show, he has already impressed me. I like him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Standing up to Cersei, anybody who does that gets a A plus. There's Tywin's right hand man. You know, he's always there. He's like Tywin Light because he's the little brother. You know, so. He's definitely better than Cersei, so it's good news for King's Landing, but it's definitely not good news for Cersei because that just means less power for her. Oh, that's interesting. But it may save her life. Yeah, she'll have to grin and bear it if it does, but... Yeah, she'll be like, Uncle she's Kevin! Still a Lannister. Yeah, she's still a <laughs> Lannister, so he's going to want to make sure that he helps at least a little. But yeah, he didn't come, so we don't know if he, what where his loyalties actually are. Maybe he'll cut her off and, say, and, and disown, cut ties... Because she's selling the Lannister name. Did you did you also catch that Lannister line when she at like at, towards the end where she was about to get the water and she's telling the the Septa she's like I'll get you how much do you want how much do you want and that's like so Lannister like everything's with money and paying and paying people off. Sound just like Jamie. <laughs> I'll get my money on this. <laughs> All right, cool. So, um, Tim. What did what were your thoughts on what happened at Winterfell? Uh, I, you know, I thought it was it was actually you know really really realistic of a conversation that she had. Like uh, her and Reek back and forth, that was that was a felt felt like like a regular conversation. And, and in that in that situation, it wasn't over dramatic, but it wasn't underplayed. It just felt really it was it was good, and you know you could see that even more driven home that Theon is just completely broken, you know, and it, it was good to see that Sansa also doesn't feel bad for him all that much. Um, but then the reveal that her brothers are alive, like that changes a lot of things. Cause you know, she's had a lot of feelings. I'm sure of no hope, no more family. Everybody's gone. You know, I'm alone to know that there's two more brothers out there. That's a, That's, that's a lot of, light at the end of the tunnel, you know, for you want, wanting to survive and your willingness to, to push forward. So now it might make her a little more cunning and a little less sloppy with some of the things she says, because, you know, she kind of was pushing a little buttons, you know, with, with Ramsey, uh, last week, uh, you know, talking about the brother, um, she was pushing a few buttons, you know, especially with sending, sending, uh, the candle with, with Reek. You know, so she, all that, you know, that didn't play terrible that we saw, thankfully. But, you know, that could have been a lot worse. And she's taken a little chances. Now she might be a little tighter with her game. But I, I like the, I like the, the Winterfell stuff. Um, you know, even the, the, all the logistics that we heard laid out from Roos and uh, Ramsey about where everybody is, how many troops are where, who, how many are mounted, how many would last the winter. Um, Roos's strategy. I like that whole breakdown, even though it was kind of like like sprinkled in. Kelly, what did you think about Winterfell? 
That was super satisfying. Those two dots coming together, sharing information that is pertinent to both of those characters, such good payoff. And, you know, you don't get that good of payoff with that, the buildup, the story, the, the show up until this point, you know, hasn't built it up to be that good. So, yeah, that's this whole show led to this moment. And Sansa's arc has definitely led to this moment. And what she will do with this information is going to be, I think, going to change, change her character uh, inherently in how she's been playing. You know, she when the, the people come up to her, the old, the old woman saying, you know, the North remembers, you still have friends. That may be somewhat comforting, but when she's saying that's great for the little people who are out in their homes and, you know, um, don't have to live with the Boltons, they can remember all they want, but I've got to live here. I've got to be married to one. You know, I've got to live with them. I've got to play their game. But now knowing that she's got allies, like family out there, that changes that feeling that she feels when you hear the North remembers, like there's a much bigger game that she can be a part of. Uh, she looks in, you know, into that direction and starts putting some action into, uh, into play on that. It's very promising. It's very cool. And now for Donald to disagree. <laughs> I, I don't like Sansa. I, I I got nothing from that scene, honestly. I I find it a little bit inspiring that everyone everyone theorizes that she's gonna do something, but I just I don't know what she's gonna do. I don't see I don't see anything that she can do. She's not gonna become this great killer. Uh, if she does that before even Arya, then I would just be upset. Um, the only position I, I could see her maybe becoming some sort of head of Winterfell. And and just uh, just a really smart person, but as far as a as far as someone who takes action and and does something, all I've seen her do is talk. She'll say, "I wish I could do this" or "I will do this," but she never does anything. She she always seems to be a victim of circumstance. She always is used and manipulated by other people. I wouldn't mind her seeing seeing her turn the tables on someone and, and manipulate them. Like maybe she'll manipulate Theon into doing something for her. Seems to be sort of hinted at, but at the same time, if it turned out that Stannis just came through and saved them all, I would not be surprised at all, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be disappointed because it, it just, it's just Sansa. I just, I just don't see anything remotely exciting about her or anything to make me, make me think that she is just gonna become something amazing. I just don't see it, and I don't want her to die. I don't want that, but I just, I find it very hard to have hope that that character will become something that I would be excited to see every week. Mm. Yeah, I find myself kind of in the middle of the road there. I'm becoming more interested in her character, but there's no doubt that she is kind of like, I guess, the Hamlet of this story, like um, of inaction and of like kind of uh, not really seeing what reality is, but obviously now she is. And I mm. like what they're doing and where it's going um, and I'm, like I said last uh, episode, I was never a fan of her or Theon. And now I'm more interested. And I like kind of how he came out um, and told his plan. But the really the most interesting thing for me was Ramsey saying he's going to take 20 guys and go on some hunting <laughs> spree. Like, yeah. that's going to be interesting. I want to see, is that when the red witch is going to be like, yo, we got to act, you know, so we got to go ahead and burn your daughter, 
you know, put her in her, her snakeskin up there and we got to light the flame because they're coming for you, Stannis. So I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I did enjoy, like Tim said, I enjoyed seeing the, um, the whole table and, you know, their planning with the figurines and all that. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool as well. Well, my, my thought to that is, do you, do you think Ramsey's just crazy enough to make that work? Or is he setting himself up for, to be killed? I, it could be either one. Honestly, at this point in time, with everything else that's going on in this world, I wouldn't be surprised if he does go in there and kill Stannis. And I wouldn't be surprised if he dies. <laughs> yeah, but either way, he's going to be gone. And when he's gone, Sansa's going to have an opportunity ah, to do good something. Point. Good point. Maybe she takes out Roos. She's got that weapon, that weird little... Corkscrew? Yeah, like, what is that, like, barrel opener, whatever that was? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a corkscrew. Yeah. Cool. So she's armed, and now she's going to have an opportunity. She and definitely has motive. <laughs> she has a Brienne of Tarth out there also. Good point. Good yeah. point. But if she does she know how to use that Brienne of Tarth? I don't know. My, my question, think... too, is if, if she does kill Roost, then doesn't that just promote Ramsay and just put her in even more danger? That's an interesting point. Not if they both get taken out separately, yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, then the little baby. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> then she'll have to. Then that woman will get stabbed in the baby. And then everyone will quit the podcast yeah. and the show. <laughs> Too much stabbing in the baby. That's why we're not writers. <laughs> Does anyone yeah. have anything that they want to say any more about Winterfell? DJ Tim Hines? No, I'm 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 satisfied. Cool. I, I had my uh my numbers and I got to count and and add and subtract who's left. I'm good. All right. <laughs> so let's uh I guess um the last thing to talk about is Arya. And I thought that this was super cool and I totally thought that when she was going down um that dock she was going to run into, um, what's his name? The guy that she Martel? wants. No, the guy she, yeah, and, and the guy that she wants to kill. Oh, Marin uh, Trent. Marin Trent, Trent. Yeah. yes, or Marin Trent. I thought that's what was going to happen. But I liked, I mean, this didn't tell us too much. I mean, you see a bit of ha- the training, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, Tyrell, that's right. That's what I was thinking of. No, no, yeah, that would have been awesome. That would have been super cool. <laughs> Yeah. What did Kelly, what did you think about these scenes? It was interesting. Uh, the, the scene when um, she's playing the, the line game or the game of faces with uh, Jack and, and it was kind of odd. He was like bouncing. Like that was a, an interesting character thing. I didn't, I've never seen him do that before. So it was caught my eye. Um, don't know if that was part of the game for distraction, but kind of the, the way that they play, they just basically explained the entire like, what she's been up to in this short little interaction was amazing. Like all she's doing is telling him who she is and she's out being who she's saying she is. And then he gives her this mission and it's all conveyed so succinctly. It was great. Mr. Donald. Yeah, that this was, um, sorry to take another books. I forget the name they gave her. Do you guys remember? Lena? Laura, Laura, I thought, mm. Was it Laura? I think it was Lena. I don't know. I think it was Len. Yeah, I think it. Was, yeah, it had more of a Game of Thrones sound than Laura. Oh, Laura. Yeah. L A R A. Oh no, it's sorry. I think it's Lana. L A N A. Whatever okay. book book readers. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
in, that's the, in the book. That's not reading the book. That's totally not. Yeah. I, at the last time I saw a lot of people were mad because she was her name was Cat in the books, but yeah. I don't know why they changed that. It's, it seems weird sometimes I, the stuff that they change. I, I think the, the that, that was just loose. Later. That's just loose material they get this the script ideas from. <laughs> Maybe so. But yeah, like like Kelly said, that there was a it was a great um way to condense it. And you didn't have to see her running around doing this and that and going through all that. Uh, I feel like they really haven't had Arya in that many episodes this year. So there's there's some stuff that they had to kind of condense down. For the most part, I think they did a good job with it. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm just waiting for certain things to happen. So it was fine with me. It, it didn't tell us too much more. I did like the little game they played. And, well, I think we already got it, kind of got that, that she's learning how to how to lie enough to be someone else. So to me, that was, that was like just, just extra topping on the salad that we already were eating. She but only got smacked once. Yeah. Yeah. She only, she's learning. So we did, yeah. we did get somewhere. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the little outfit they had her in and her hair done. It was, it's just nice to see her not dirty and looking weird. So I, I, I thought that was great, but yeah, not too much. I have to say about that. I really liked when the girl, um, questioned him and he said um, when she was like she's not ready and he was like who cares <laughs> like the Lord you know right the God of many faces doesn't care it, it makes you wonder if Jonathan's just making it up as he goes along or if he has a plan for or if she's really expendable like if, if it's you know oh well if she dies like we're so invested you know because we know her like to her she's just another person he met along the way that you know mm -hmm. he could potentially trained to do this kind of work you know but if she dies like it's like oh well so it's almost like does he care as much as we do because if she dies i'll be pissed yeah no i don't think so i think he's basically saying like what'll be you'll be she's either ready or she's not even if she was ready she could be not ready you know and get taken out that's heavy man you never know that's why i love that man it's very apathetic of him, whereas before we kind of felt like he did have a, an affection for Arya, or at least a, an interest in her. So it was a strange change of character, which makes me wonder if like if they're the, these are the faceless men, and maybe this isn't the same Jacken that she saw before. Mm, that's interesting. Or interesting. it's that he has to change his role, you know? True. He is her teacher now, and he has to be hard like that with her. I mean, he's not sending her out to get groceries. He's sending her out to, like, you know, spy and potentially murder people, be an assassin. So there is no higher stake than that. You know? Mm -hmm. She's going to become a super ninja. Plus, she can shuck an oyster really well. Yeah, that was quick, <laughs> man. She could be on Top Chef. Yeah, that was good. Quality <laughs> skills right there. That was awesome. All right, um, let's go around. And uh, Tim, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I'm just, I, I, this is, again, one of the best episodes of the season, probably the best episode of the season. And I'm just really uh, excited that we got to talk about this in this, you know, in in this level. You know, it's, it's not hasn't been something where we had to blow too many holes in and pick apart that we weren't excited it was just a very good start to finish. Um, really good episode. I can't wait to rewatch it and uh, hear some of the following episodes this week of podcast Littlefell, some uh, Joffrey podcast, some 
podcasts and you know other things that are out there and hear what the community has to say and uh hopefully by the end of the week we'll we'll hear what matt has to say back up on podcast (laughs) 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 kelly any final words uh yeah, I wrote a note down from earlier when we were talking. I just wanted to real quick touch on Ollie. Um, and I think that what they were doing was a really good job of showing the why. Because the Night's Watch just seems so dumb when they're complaining and, and arguing with John's decision. And I think they they're, the show's doing a really good job giving us Ollie as a sympathetic character that we can actually understand why some of these other people or why why even the Night's Watch, even in their kind of brutish way, are fighting against John. And I think that that's uh, putting it on this kid who we saw his parents die. It was a really powerful way to, to show the other side of this, this argument that's uh, going to come to a head uh, when John gets back. So that was one thought I did have. Um, but yeah, and I'm really excited that the, there's so many positive things to talk about in the show now. Best show of the season and not a single boob. That was awesome. <laughs> I don't mind, I don't mind nudity, but I do think that that it, uh, to, that it's a good sign for, for D and D that they can write an episode and they don't have to, to rely on, on cliches or tropes or anything to, to make need, it this good. You don't need to sensationalize in it. Yeah, exactly. They don't need to sensationalize <laughs> anything. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, All right, cool. Donald Jr., any final words? Yeah, I think we're going to be seeing some nudity really soon. Uh, I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm all right <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, that Dornish girl was hot. I'm just saying. That yeah, that's awesome. my favorite sand snake. I was... God, <laughs> I was sending texts like with a picture of her, and then the next episode she's like naked. I would take whatever she throws at me. She's gonna throw, <laughs> is it more poison? I don't care. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I had the article up, but I accidentally closed it. So, um, but in the in the books, it's it's sort of theorized. A lot of people came up with a theory um, from a scene with John and Sam um, that they were reading, and they were talking about dragon steel, and they were sort of theorizing that that might be Valyrian steel, and Valyrian steel was was forged with dragon fire so it's always a theory that that would harm a white walker but the show came out and just i guess kind of told us like that's true so i was kind of excited about uh, that oh can i let me jump in real quick that's interesting donald because it goes back to that scene between status and sam mm-hmm. so that's really thanks for saying that sorry uh, continue okay no problem <laughs> um yeah but i thought that was really interesting that they built up the dragon glass and they told us like hey john can do it too so that was that was really good and that was something that we did learn so I was proved wrong. We did learn some things from that scene. <laughs> and I'll go over and rewatch the scene, but this is just an initial reaction, so that was my initial reaction. Um, well, there was something else I wanted to say. Okay, um, Ollie isn't in the book, so don't try to say I'm, I'm giving spoilers, but I think that it's very clear they're kind of building up Ollie to, to kind of turn on John. And what I was thinking was that when John comes back, he'll probably, he'll probably like kill a wildling or something and then just start a, a war within, within the... Um, the new alliance, or poison is best friend. <laughs> <laughs> you love that poison. Um, <laughs> I, I was just thinking how interesting it would be to start a, another. Like once they're aligned, Ali comes out and just like kills Torment or something, and then they're okay. fighting within themselves right when the the walkers attack. So it's sort of they're not together, so they're divided. But um, also another thing about that Winterfell scene, and then I'll, I'll be done. Not Winterfell, the uh, the wall scene. I thought it was something that we, we did need to, to see where that army was because the last time we saw that army, it was in season two. And John has crossed the wall and crossed back and crossed it again, and they still haven't made it to the wall. So yeah. to, go, to go along with something Axel was saying, maybe it is a little bit more strategy than just we're, we're marching directly to the wall. 
we're we're going other places and we're doing other yes. things. So that that maybe that'll stop a lot of people from from saying, "Hey, where's the army?" So hopefully that works. Great, that's a great point. Thank you, and thank everybody for being on podcast little little fell this evening. It's getting late. Uh, DJ Tim Hines on Twitter. Uh, Kelly, how can people track you down on the Twitter? <laughs> uh, I have my. I don't Twitter. You know, you've tried to reach me like four times. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully you'll uh, join us again on uh, podcast Little Fell. And you can also find Donald at Donald Jr. Thanks, everyone, for your thoughts and ideas and eloquence. And thank you, everyone, for downloading the show. Dara Gaines. Thank you for listening to podcast Little Fell. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast L. And you can reach us by email at podcastlittlefell at gmail.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.